Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Having an awful week. Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, and as always, I'm joined by my colleague and good friend, Jacob Redman. Jacob, how you doing today? I'm good, Zach. I'm over here. I'm Master Switch himself coming in on the pod. Uh, you know, that's what Katara <laughs> said to Sokka, but I think I'm going to take the reins there. Uh, you know, I'm on the basketball team, I thought, uh, that we... That we got in a season one recap. So, yeah. since you bring that up, is Master Swish like the best basketball-related nickname ever? Like, it's I, I feel like good you one. could have that. You could have that nickname for like an NBA player today, which is ironic because Sokka may be the worst basketball <laughs> if, in terms of pure basketball potential. Sokka's a lot worse than the Angs and the Kataras of the yeah. world. Yeah, exactly. I felt like this uh, this episode for some reason was a lot uh, had a lot of our inside jokes. You know, they call him Master Switch. Uh, Swish at one point, Sokka says uh, "airbending slice." Like uh, they were on top of it. The writers yeah. really they hard read what we'd be joking about years from now. Yeah, the writers jumped forward in time, listened to our podcast, were like, wow, those are some good ideas, and then they jumped back in time and wrote the episodes. Would you yeah. look at that with our jokes included? <laughs> Man, so uh, I'm glad we get writing credit then. Uh yeah, it's been a it's been a good week. I've uh, started playing some Risk online and I have to say it is not good for my firebender personality cuz I'm always like, "Oh no, let's all just live in peace like everyone can get their own territory." And then boom, full blitz and I attack you. Uh, I'm very <laughs> dead. Yeah. Are you just a very aggressive risk? I've actually never played a full game of risk. I did watch the one with uh, that Raw put together with Cochrane and Sophie and all the intelligent reality TV stars, but I don't think I've ever sat down and played a full game of risk myself, even though it seems very fun. Yeah, it's, it's a good game. I feel like that's the type of game where you lose your friendships. Uh, you know, it gets so contentious, like a few bad dice roll and you're just like really upset. So I would say play carefully. Uh, that'd be my yeah, advice. for me, for me, Monopoly was the board game that always made me lose friendships because I play with my cousins and I always like sitting next to the banker, whoever that may be, and just I'd always uh, steal money from the bank whenever I play Monopoly. Here you are, you know, stealing money from banks, <laughs> stealing things from bad people, like uh, <laughs> oof, every week another crime. My bad. What can I say? I saw Sarah at our patron Discord. She had a joke <laughs> that made me laugh. She was like, Zach, I'm a pacifist. Zach, two seconds later. <laughs> Zach, two seconds later, it's okay to rob bad people. Hey, I mean, I was telling Jacob the pre-show, both of those things can be true. I just want to say, you can be a pacifist and still, hey, Ang's a pacifist and he still puts a beat down on some bad people, so. That's I, fair. I, I, That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think those two things are necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. I, I do feel like uh, in the Monopoly that no one's getting hurt. I feel like they're, that's, exactly. a, that's okay. Uh, I'll stand by that crime. Victim, uh, victimless crime. Victimless crime, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, did you want to jump into this episode, Jacob? Book two, episode five, Avatar Day. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things about this episode is it's the episode before Toph gets here. Uh, you know, like, I think it's important to talk about, like, that's next week. Uh, it seems like, you know, just a few weeks ago we were starting this podcast, but no, next week we're getting Toph and that is very exciting. Yeah, and I'll be honest, this for this exact reason on a rewatch, like last week's episode, I I always enjoy on a rewatch, but this is an episode where I always breeze through or like pay half attention because every time I'm rewatching, I'm like, oh man, I just want to see Toph. I just want to watch the Blind (laughs) Bandit episode. So this is an episode that I never really paid close attention to until I rewatched it specifically for this podcast. And for that reason, I'm very excited to get into all of it because you're right, man. Feels like we just started recording this yesterday. Hey, next week, we're going to be talking all things top and we have a guest for that episode it's going to be for anybody who's listening to robin akiva need a podcast we're going to have on fifth wheel navi to talk about all things blind bandit with us next week so yeah that should be a jam-packed episode of ang in there next week <laughs> yeah super excited to get navi on the podcast uh next week she's you know wrote in some great questions more excited to uh to talk about her love of Avatar, hear all about her, and then introduce Toph. It should be really fun. But this is an episode we shouldn't gloss over. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, this is a good episode. I really enjoy it. It doesn't try to take itself too seriously. This episode knows what it is. It's a funny episode. That's what it is. Yeah, this episode is very comedic in nature. Jacob, you're 100% correct when you say it doesn't take itself seriously. But I also, I do enjoy the lore built in this episode. All the stuff surrounding Kiyoshi. Especially after, Kiyoshi was always my favorite avatar besides Aang when I watched Avatar Last Airbender the first time. So, like, never a big Roku guy. I was always Team Kiyoshi. And then once I read the Kiyoshi novels a couple weeks ago, I was like, wow, gave me an even newfound appreciation for Kiyoshi that I didn't even have the first time I watched. So... I'm excited to dig into all of that this episode. Yeah, I feel like we need to start a book club. Uh, you know, I've heard about these Kyoshi novels. You've spoken very highly about them. I, I think I'm going to... I try not to spoil them on the podcast, honestly, yeah. because I, when I allude to them, I very I try not to spoil them because they're very well written, honestly. Yeah, I, I think we should do a, a book club. Maybe we can like have a, a feedback episode for the books because I would be really interested in getting into that. And, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm down. You, right. <laughs> we, maybe we can do it, like uh, have a second episode in a week. We'll talk to Josh and the brass about that. That's <laughs> Sounds, uh, that sounds good to me because, uh, especially after watching this episode, you know, Kiyoshi has some, uh, really like boss lady energy. She like shows up to her, the trial that she's on for a crime over 300 years old. And she just is like, yeah, I did it. Like, that's the type of energy that uh, I love to see. So I think it would yeah. be great to learn more about her. Yeah, Kiyoshi ain't pleaded not guilty, no defense, no nothing. She's just uh, straight up admitting to the crime. But Although, we'll, I mean, we'll get, we'll, we'll get oh, yeah, there, continue. but I yeah. think what she should have pled is statute of limitations. Uh, this crime happened 370 years ago. Like, we're going to still prosecute it? I had the same thing in my notes. But I was saving that joke for later. God dang it. Um, sorry. I, uh, <laughs> it's I it's all good. It. I'm, I'm glad one of us made it. But uh, yeah, this episode actually starts off really funny. I, I like what they do here because for some reason, Sokka's been asleep for so long. He has a full spider web in his mouth. <laughs> I don't like if I if I was asleep and I felt like any tingling around my mouth. And I woke up and there was a spider web in my mouth with a spider in it. I would be <laughs> panicking. I would be, you would have to call. I'd be screaming like a banshee at the top of my lungs. I'm not even scared of spiders, but just the horrible sensation of a spider web in my mouth. Like, I would not want that, definitely. Yeah. And what's interesting here is that it doesn't, it's not the spider that wakes Sokka up. It's not the fact that there is a full web. It's the fact that Momo tries to get the spider. 
Like it's Momo yeah, grabbing. Yeah, he's still, it he's still asleep. To the, so Sokka is such a deep sleeper that a spider can actually make a web in his mouth and he won't wake up. And even a fly lands on it, still nothing yeah. changes to Sokka. I don't know how he was able to sleep through all this. More power to him. I wish I had that ability to sleep through anything. I mean, this made me scared to go to sleep tonight. Like, uh, this, that would be one of my worst nightmares to wake up and just have a spider like chilling in my mouth. That's terrible. Yeah, that would be awful. It would be awful even with no web, too. Yeah, that's nasty. But yeah, you alluded to it. Momo reaches in with his paw, tries to grab the spider as a snack. Actually, I think he does grab it and start munching. Even though, and then Sokka gives Momo crap for, um, invading his personal space. <laughs> <laughs> even yeah. though Momo, even though Momo took the spider out of his mouth, I don't know what Sokka's complained about here. Yeah, I feel like Momo is doing a service here. You know, it's probably mm-hmm. not a service you want done. Uh, like you know, you're not you're never excited to call the exterminator to get rid of the pests, but you don't blame the exterminator for getting rid of him. Like Momo did you a good job. Say thank you. Instead, he like derides him and is like, "You need to be more sensitive." Like, uh, no, Sokka, you need to show some appreciation. Yeah, Sokka definitely does. And then right after all that happens, we get, I was surprised how quickly we jump into the action this episode because we're barely <laughs> yeah. a minute in. And these, uh, what are what, the rabid rhinos? Is that the term for this? Rough group? rhinos. I think the it's rough a, rhinos. Yeah, yes. I think it's like an allusion to the rough riders that, uh, Teddy yes. Roosevelt used to ride on. So instead, in this universe, we have the rough rhinos. Yeah, and did you notice one of the rough rhinos was one of the Yuyan archers from way back when? I saw that, yeah. Uh, so here we see like all of them roll up, uh, and we see the Yuyan archer start shooting at, uh, I think the sleeping bag that Sokka's in. And I have to say this Yuyan archer does not look as accurate as they were in the first episode we saw them. I think this is like the C tier Yuyan archer. Yeah, he might have been the worst of the group, and they're like, okay, you're still good enough to be part of a fire nation. A mercenary squad, but not ours. So instead of being part of the Yuyan Archers, he has a place in this Rough Rhinos club. And yeah, what were your thoughts on these guys overall? Like the whole Rough Riders crew, because they'll come back in the, later in the episode and have the big fight. And I just thought they just looked like stock, like tough guy characters. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They just look like if you were playing some like third party mobile game with like the mercenary, the archer. The weapons expert. It's like they just look like they look kind of generic design wise, I feel like. Yeah, they look like they could have been taken from anywhere. Uh, like these people have almost no personality. I think maybe like hearing about like how legendary the Rough Riders are, something to that effect would have been cool. But ultimately, like this is just a plot point so that like uh, at the end of the episode that they can take them out. But there's really nothing here that makes them more interesting. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of these Rough Rhinos. The Rough Riders uh, have a minor league baseball team named after them. And I just have to say that these people do not deserve a minor league baseball team. No, definitely not. See, the only Rough Riders I'm familiar with, because I'm not American, so the only thing I was familiar with was DMX's Rough Rider Anthem. That was a classic mm. gangster rap song back in the day. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not as familiar there. I think I'm more familiar with the uh, AA affiliate of the Texas Rangers. Uh, oh, wow. See, I'm not the best. I was, I was talking to my friend about that. We were talking about minor league um, – Hockey teams. I couldn't name a single one. I'm, yeah. I'm, that's one of the one thing I never follow. Minor league sports, not my jam, personal. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I feel like you know most people don't even get like real sports or like the major league sports. <laughs> the minor league sports are probably like a far <laughs> conclusion. But you know what? True, I think true, we true. need to take a moment and appreciate how clutch Momo is in this moment. Uh, like Momo wakes up Sokka. He wakes up everyone because Sokka wakes up the rest of the group. And the only reason why these people are ready and the Yu Yan Archer doesn't just like 
dome one of them uh, laying down <laughs> is because Momo gets them awake. That's true. That's true. Even though it would be quite a gruesome sight if Momo hadn't done this. You can only <laughs> imagine which member of Team Avatar would have gotten dope. <laughs> An archer. I'm just saying. I'm That's just kind of saying. just a horrifying image. But yeah, so these uh, rough rhinos attack. There's a little scuffle. And then they're able to escape. But Katara goes back for her scrolls and Aang goes back for his staff. But uh, poor Sokka's boomerang gets left behind. And he's unhappy about this, even as they're flying away safe and sound. Yeah, you know, I think that both groups messed up. So, like, Team Avatar messed up because you probably can't go back for those sorts of things. Uh, like, they got really lucky they were able to get them. But then the Rough Riders know that the escape route is on Appa. Like, they must know Appa can fly. So, why not, like, you know, try to pin down Appa first instead of, like, protecting a scroll? Yeah, that's true. Or, like, why, yeah, why not even attack Appa first rather than, like, going after the kids who need Appa to escape anyways? No, that's a very good observation on your exactly. part because it's true. But, like, we, we've talked about it ad nausea how a lot of these Fire Nation generals and troops just do not have the best laid plans. Like, their plans are not good, honestly. <laughs> even, I feel like Sokka, Katara, and Aang come up with, like, even in this episode, they come up with better harebrained schemes compared to a lot of the stuff the Fire Nation does, because, yeah, these, like, Fire Nation grunts outside of Azula are pretty incompetent. Uh, I totally agree there. Uh, but, yeah, we, what we see is uh, Aang and the rest of Team Avatar are able to quickly get away uh, using Appa to fly away. They were really puppy-guarding the wrong objective, but uh, they get to fly away, and Sokka realizes he doesn't have his boomerang, uh, it was a little funny line here uh, where Sokka's like, oh, so we have time for uh, your staff and your scrolls, but no time for my boomerang. And Katara's like, yep, that's right. <laughs> the way she said that was so funny. Yeah, Katara was pretty funny in this episode. I, I like to you don't usually get a lot of Katara and Sokka, just them together. And this is one of the first episodes in a while where we have that dynamic. And I feel like that's always fun when you get the two of them and their sibling rivalry. Yeah. We'll get into it more later. But I, I did enjoy Katara's line there. And then there's another funny line because they land and they're buying some produce. And then the guy at the stand is like, oh, here's your produce ponytail guy. And Sokka <laughs> sadly looks down at the ground and says, I used to be called Boomerang Guy. <laughs> yeah. And like, who was calling a Boomerang Guy? I don't remember a single NPC referring to Sokka as Boomerang Guy. You know, I feel like, uh, I feel like some people might, you know, if you're carrying around a Boomerang in real life, I think you would be quickly known as a Boomerang Guy. I'm not really sure it's a positive connotation if you're just like walking around with a Boomerang, but you could do it. True. True. No, you're right. I guess a boomerang is such a unique weapon that if you were wielding one, you probably would be referred to as yeah. such. I feel like it's way more defining than hair loopies, which is what he gives to uh, Katara there. He's like, oh, you know, you're the hair loopies girl. That one, uh, that one's a bit of a stretch. That is a huge stretch. And then yeah. I also want to stop that. This is a meaningless line, but I just want to talk about it anyways. So they offer the st the this guy at the storefront, they offer him Water Tribe money. And he's like, oh, I don't mind the Water Tribe money so long as it's money. And that's my logic. I don't care what type of currency it is. I'm happy with it anyways. I'm, not, I'm never going to turn down any money, really, as long as it's money. But that seems hard to uh, to deal with in their case. Like, you know, if you got some money from a different uh, a different place, you could, you know, go to a bank. You could, like, turn it in really easily, uh, go to any sort of, like, foreign exchange place. But I think this person taking Water Nation money is wild 
Because like unless that money's backed up by like gold or something and you can like turn it in anywhere, then you have to find someone else who's going to do business with the Water Nation. And at this point, these people are very deep in the Earth Nation. I actually thought this was a terrible business move. Really? I don't, yeah. I don't know about this because there are uh, technically everyone opposed to the Fire Nation is allied, right? So technically the Earth and the Water, the Air Nomads don't currently exist in the Avatar Last Airbender universe. So you got the Water Tribe and you got the Earth Nation. And it's like, they pretty much, I feel like they could exchange some water tribe coins for some Earth Nation coins. I feel like he could find somebody on his travels that accepts water tribe money and would be happy with that. So I didn't think it was the, and you're right, it's not the best business decision, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think it was the worst. Thing I anyway. don't know. I'm pretty against it, Zach, because like, just imagine what's going to happen. So like, you're going to have to find someone who has the water tribe money. That person's going to be like, yeah, but maybe give me 10% or something. And then your whole margin's gone. Uh, I don't know. I think this is the a dividing line between the two of us. I don't see. I don't see how we can get by this. Honestly, yeah, me, me neither. I think we got to stop the podcast I, right I now. Agree. Well, well, that's all, folks. Peace out, everybody. No all right. more ang in there. Let's see you shut next it down. time. Shut it down. <laughs> is this where we? Is this where we ask uh, Maddie to play the exit music? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Okay, yeah, yeah. Good. Ask her to play that. The, the track that I just sent her. You know the one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Can. I'll mark the time down. Okay, so seventeen minutes in, we're we're done. Cool. Okay, okay sounds perfect. good. Uh, Zach, I'll see you Peace next out. week. All right. Uh, oh no, there is no oh, next no. week. Oh, we're, yeah. we're not doing this over ever again. <laughs> Poor Navi. I really was excited to have Navi on. <laughs> yeah, same. But then this is just too much. I, I yeah. just. I, <laughs> Let, let's keep trying. Can we keep trying? Yeah, I, okay. I think so. Oof, I think, I think we can keep trying. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay. I mean, that, so, that, was a, <laughs> that was a good little bit, but part of me was like, oh, are we going on for too long here? But that yeah. worked. That was a smooth, we'll transition smoothly into the next topic. So this man who accepted the Water Tribe money, he floats it out there. It's like he tells them, oh, are you guys going to the Avatar Day Festival? And there's the uh, Team Avatar and Katara Saka. They start inquiring, oh, what is the Avatar Day Festival? And then we cut to them actually visiting the festival on the island. And you have these giant floats of the Avatar. So you have this, like, 20-foot float of Kiyoshi, one of Roku, and one of Aang. Yeah. And, uh, oh, could it- uh, th- this seems like one of those made-up holidays. Like, you know how every day now has a holiday? Like, yeah, uh, no, I do. It's it's funny because in Canada they have um they have a, every province has a set amount of holidays, so they just created a new holiday called Family Day just to give people another day off. So they just randomly created a holiday like three years ago and like made it a legal holiday. So I know what you mean. It's like one of those holidays that somebody just pulled out of there, some government official pulled out of his keister one day. Exactly. And, yeah. So I looked up what holiday today is. Uh, so for reference, we're recording on a Saturday, February 6th. Today uh-huh. is National Lame Duck Day, National Frozen Yogurt Day, and National Ice Cream for Breakfast Day. Uh, I think yeah, I'm, those holidays suck. It's yeah, those are, ice cream for breakfast. You're weird. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> that, that's not healthy. It's not good. That whole, I mean, that just what you, you just want cavities for breakfast. I don't know. I know people eat like sugary cereal and stuff too, and I'm guilty of that myself. But ice cream's like a step further. I don't know if I want just yeah, yeah, <laughs> ice cream for breakfast, especially at the cold on the tea. Nah, not yeah. for me personally. No, that that's fair. I just think like all of these silly holidays. uh you know, I wanted to see if there was anything good. Nothing good today. Uh, nothing worth celebrating. But Avatar Day seems like a stretch. Uh, it actually looks like one of the big, like, fairs. I don't know if they have this, uh, like, in where you are in Canada. But in Texas, they would have a giant Texas State Fair. And they would have fried everything. So, like, fried Oreos. They had fried Coca-Cola. 
you could bring them anything and they would fry it for you. So like what? you could like bring them food, like an apple, and then they would fry it on your behalf. Uh, it seems like one of these types of festivals. See, I wish I could go to something like that in Texas. That's all. I've always been envious of you Americans because in Canada, we don't have anything like that. And anytime, like if you do get deep fried food at a festival or um, amusement park, it's always so overpriced here. Whereas I feel like food like that in America is always pretty cheap. Uh, I, at the state fairs, they know how to get you because you're there. There's nothing else you can do. You have to eat that food. And that is expensive because they make you pay what? it in tickets. But each ticket's oh, like a dollar. And so they're like, oh, just 20 tickets. But no, that that's expensive. So there's always a catch. But this is a good segue because somebody in the show mentions deep fried festival food. and probably Osaka. And then yeah. I want to ask you, Jacob, what is your favorite festival food? Do you have one? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I was thinking about this uh, thing back to the Texas State Fair. And I think that the uh, deep fried Oreos are some of my favorites. I'm, I, I'm in the same boat. I think those are my favorites as well, honestly, because I'm the type of guy. I don't even like Oreos that much. I agree. I, only, I like Oreos only with milk. I like the soft. Like it's, I'll never eat a dry Oreo. That's yeah. disgusting to me. Yeah. And are not disgusting, but just not for me personally. But yeah, the di- the deep fried Oreos, just the perfect consistency. It's delicious. That's my, that's one, that's one where I'm always willing to pay the extra money for whenever I see it at a festival. I'm, yeah, that stuff's tasty. I am right there with you. I think that, uh, the, yeah, the deep fried Oreos are like quite good. And, you know, I'm, I'm honestly not a fan of Oreos. I'm not a huge fan of just like very fried things, but the way that they make the deep fried Oreos makes like both things better. I'm, I'm a huge same, fan. So. Same. I'm not a big fan of deep right. fried stuff myself, but yeah, that's, uh, that, we'll continue here. So this, this man comes with a torch in the festival. He's looking pretty jacked. He's running through a torch. And for a brief moment, I was like, oh, what the heck is this guy doing? Is this like some <laughs> Olympic cauldron stuff? Because they had the Olympics in my city, Vancouver, in 2010. And I remember they all come, like, light the cauldron on fire. So I was like, oh, there's some Avatar Olympics going on. Maybe Aang's going to put on a show like that. But then, <laughs> but then I remembered what this man was doing with his torch. I remembered the plot of the episode because immediately after I had that thought, this man comes and he burns all the floats down yeah this man probably could be an olympian you know he jumps through the entire float he's and sure, too <laughs> yeah yeah sure it's only made of paper mache but the fact that he's able to just break through the entire float and like jump like multiple feet uh that's impressive so yeah and then we see it burn and we see him chant down with the avatar Bit of a bit of a change of events from what I thought was going to happen on first watch for sure. <laughs> True, I, that, this did surprise me on the first watch as well. Yeah. And then, yeah, and you're right. This athletic feat this man did. Like, I don't know if he started on the Avatar basketball team that we outlined at the end of season one, but he could definitely be like a sixth man, a high energy reserve on the bench with those ups. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely not cracking the top five, but I definitely think he's a nice role player that we can uh, slot in there somewhere. No, facts, facts. And then we <laughs> cut to Zuko, and he's uh, stealing some produce. Yeah. And he's stealing it from this man. Not the best stuff from Zuko. I mean, I'm all for stealing from bad people, but people <laughs> have done nothing to you. Now, I'm not a fan. Disavow. Okay. Disavow. I'm glad and to then- know where the line is, Zach. Yeah, I mean, we because we had that whole poll once upon a time with the pirates. And then what's fun, funny about this scene, because it's a very small scene, Iroh initially looks angry, <laughs> but then as soon as he takes a bite of, like, this jelly-filled pastry, he just starts smiling. He takes a bite, he starts smiling again. And then it's like, for me, I was like, oh, I guess Iroh's okay with the stealing as long as it tastes delicious. 
Yeah, you know, this is actually more uh, morally corrupt, in my opinion, than what yes. Zuko does, because <laughs> Zuko's doing something wrong, and Uncle Iroh is like, okay, well, as long as it's tasty, it's fine to do something wrong, and that, like... I, I can't. Well, get he he doesn't. That to be fair, like I don't want to put any words in Iroh's mouth. He doesn't explicitly state that, but like because he initially he has it. He looks concerned until he takes a bite of. It. Yeah, and he then, looks pretty and happy. He starts looking content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the camera lingered on his face. The smile started to creep up. He looked a little too happy eating yeah. them stolen goods. I think he actually. I maybe I'm making this up now. That I'm trying to remember back. I thought he got a little bit of the jelly on his face uh, after... He did. Okay, yeah. After, like, going into it. So, he's not even just enjoying it. He's just going in with reckless abandon, like, making a mess, too. So... Yeah, he's yeah. munching and chomping all all, yeah. <laughs> all over the... Exactly. Yeah, and there's... So we we this was this was a weird like I was surprised they even cut back to show us this to be honest just Iro chewing on the jelly roll because we instantly <laughs> cut back to Katara and the gang because Katara swoops in and she does this cool thing where she puts uh, she takes these two barrels of water she takes all bends all the water out of those and shoots them at the three um, statues and puts out the fires on all of them impressive feat of bending from Katara here. It is an impressive feat, but I would think that these are made out of, like, paper, and when you get them wet, I would expect for it to just, like, fall apart completely. Like, I'm surprised they didn't just, like, fall down. You're right. Maybe there's some wood component to it Mm, as well, though. Because you're right, with paper, it should be soggy and just fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, but then we uh, hear one of the randoms say uh, that the party pooper is ruining Avatar's day. (laughs) Are you a party pooper yourself, Zach? Eh, not necessarily. I mean, sometimes I'm not in the life of a party, but I'm not one who's just going to come in and shut it down. What about yourself, Jacob? Are you known to be a party pooper? I think if you put me on the spectrum between party pooper and life of the party, I'm closer to party pooper. It depends on, like, the activity. Because uh, there are some things, like, when I get in, like, a certain type of, like, mood and I have to do an activity where I have to, like, talk to a bunch of people, I just, like, lose energy really quickly. And I feel no, like I I, I'm in the same pooper. boat there. Yeah. yeah, but if but at the same time, if you got a couple drinks in me, I can be the life of the party because I don't drink too often. So yeah, well, that, that's good to know. Um, and hopefully, you have some people to stick up for you, like Aang does here. He says uh, he just yells out, "That party pooper is my friend," uh, and then rips off his hat and reveals that he is in fact the Avatar. What were your thoughts on this crowd of people? I like them. They had a lot more personality than the average <laughs> nameless villagers yeah. in ATM yeah. and Avatar we get normally. These people were funny. Uh, I love yeah, I how agree. as soon as something happens, uh, one of the villagers is just like, they're going to kill us with the awesome Avatar powers. <laughs> like, they were so scared. I love it. Uh, yeah. Even though their fears, like, hopefully unfounded, I, d- I hope Aang was never going <laughs> to take them out. But. <laughs> It was. I, I enjoyed these people. And then, and then we cut to we cut to the so this older man. He's voiced by James Hong. He has a distinct like older Asian man voice because he talks. He says, "Chin the Great was the leader of our people." And then this, then he tells them all about it. And then there's this man in the audience. And this was a joke, like straight out of like Family Guy or an adult sitcom, because he's like, "We used to be a great society before you killed our leader. Now look at us." And it's this like hideous, deformed man in the audience. And this joke surprised me. It was almost kind of in bad taste. Like, I didn't, this is not a joke I usually expect to see in Avatar. Like, something in this vein, right? Yeah. It's a little more South Park-esque. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of making fun of, like, people's appearances. Uh, Like, when, like, people are the butt of the joke. 
the animated character I didn't mind so much. Like I didn't expect this joke in Avatar, but I didn't think it was uh, too poor taste. I do think that Aang's reaction here is pretty funny because he's just like, huh? And like jumps backwards. <laughs> uh, like, and, and also like my, my question for this man who's, who's talking about this. So he says before they killed a uh, chin, they, that he, they used to be a great society and now look at us and he gestures to his own face. But was he just an attractive man before Jin was killed? That's what I kind of—I kind of don't understand his uh, line of thinking here. Yeah, there's no way that guy's 370 years old. I think okay. that he's like the the comedian that goes around and like makes a bunch of jokes. He's like, uh, like what, what's a comedian that's like very um, self-deprecating, self-deprecating, like almost like Bo Burnham, like making fun of himself all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, because this is a very self-deprecating comment from this man. Here. Yeah, like he's just self-roasting himself right yeah, here. But but Aang's response is so great because I've never seen somebody ever look so ugly that I'm just like have to jump back. <laughs> never in my life, I've never thought this. So really, uh, I've, I don't know if I've ever jumped back, but I, I will admit, once in a blue moon, you see somebody and you're like, wow, I'm so <laughs> I'm surprised. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I, did, I never said I'm jumping away, but I, I said just like sometimes somebody's okay. face is uh, so interesting looking. It's just shocking. It's okay. Like, yeah. No, I, I would love to uh, see how you tactfully, uh, tactfully deal with that situation. Cause <laughs> hopefully you do it better than Aang. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not athletic enough. Like I would not make the avatar basketball team. So I don't know. Even if I saw somebody so hideous. I don't think I would have the athletic ability to jump backwards the That's way good. Aang does here. Yeah, but here Katara is uh, quick to defend him uh, and is like, no, like there's no way that Aang would do that. Uh, like it's against their honor or something like that. And then we get a Let's random villager. Let's tell her villager. what we think of the Avatar's honor. <laughs> who makes a fart joke. He just <laughs> pretends to fart. This and- is so juvenile. I, I, I will admit, I chuckled at this joke, but it's so stupid because this villager, he comes in, he's like, let's tell her what we think of the Avatar's honor. Then he turns, she like puts his like butt in the air and makes like a, starts spitting the strawberry. Yeah. There. Yep. Uh, I think that this joke is hilarious. Uh, you know, if you would tell me what age would you stop laughing at this joke? Like when I first saw it, I'd be like, ah, you know, maybe like 16. And here I am, uh, a few years later, like way after that, still laughing at the joke. I think that the first time I won't laugh at this joke, it's going to be like 70. This is just a good joke, Zach. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I laughed at this, but I don't know. It's kind of some low effort humor from the part of the writers. I feel like the writers are usually pretty creative with the humor in Avatar. Yeah, Whereas this, this, they go straight to the fart joke. This had to kill with children. Like every child oh, who saw this, I, I must have laughed so hard at that one. Uh, but of course, I was extremely juvenile myself. No, um, I mean, I, I laughed at this on a rewatch, too. Yeah. I'm not trying to so, have some holier-than-thou attitude <laughs> and say I didn't laugh at this, because I did elicit a little yeah. chuckle here. So so then what happens is Aang says that he wants to prove that he's innocent. He wants to show that he did not do anything wrong. Uh, and then the uh, mayor of the city says the only way to do that is to stand trial. Uh, and uh, so that's, like, totally fine. Aang agrees to follow the rules of the town, which includes paying bail. And then we uh, cut to Aang, who is, uh, instead of looking as happy as he once was, instead looking really downtrodden, cuffed and shackled in a wooden panel. Uh, yeah, I really like the transition here because <clears throat> Aang decides to stand trial, but then he, it shows him, he looks decent, and then immediately shows his sad face. And then we pan out and he's in prison in like 
the classic, like almost like French guillotine setup, those like wooden padlock prison holding things. So I, I, I did enjoy the transition there. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of those in real life? No, I have not. How about you? I've yeah. never seen. I don't I don't even know what's the term for them. Yeah, so for the people who don't know what I'm talking about, it's like those wooden things they keep prisoners in where you have your hands poking out two holes and then your head poking out the third hole in the middle. Like it's like so common in cartoons, but I don't think I've seen one in real life. So they had one in like uh Colorado or something and mm-hmm. like you could take a picture with it. And so I wanted to see if I could escape it. And it's scary to be in because it's like very disorienting because your head is like a little bit far forward and your hands are like stuck to your side. It You really feel like you can't move. I was not a fan. Yeah. I mean, you probably, it looks very uncomfortable and I'm glad. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you told me that experience and now I know <laughs> never to put myself yeah, in one don't, of those. Don't try that one at home. And then here, this joke comes back again with a water tribe money because Aang is like, how would I know that they don't take <laughs> our water tribe money uh, to post bail? Yeah. And then you know what? I, I still think they should take money's money. I ain't say no to any money. Why not? Maybe maybe the water tribe money super valuable with some random person and it wouldn't be valuable with anybody else. I don't know. what. I mean, see, they could have just taken the money. Instead, they weren't going to take the money and boil him in oil. Like, what do you gain from killing the Avatar <laughs> and not getting the money? That's what I don't understand here necessarily. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do think that marginally taking the money is better, especially because if they post bail then you still would need to come back for the trial. So it's just like free money, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, Sokka yeah, here, he, oh, yeah. Yes, Sokka here is like really not happy uh, that, that he's in jail. He tells him that it doesn't matter if the town doesn't like you, like everyone in the Fire Nation doesn't like you. So let's just leave. Uh, Aang is like, no, there's no way I could. And we get a funny sequence with Sokka here where he's like, yeah, sure you can. And then he jumps back and forth in the screen, uh, like pretending that he's the one bending air. And so we get like a nice animation thing as he's like, all you have to do is boo, 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 swish, swash, swish, <laughs> air bending slice. And he's like jumping around. Uh, and I thought this was pretty funny. Yeah, and then we, this is where we get Katara calling him Master Swish, which I thought was funny. And then Aang does something cool here where he strokes Sokka's ego a little bit with Katara's help and enlists him as a detective to take on the case of his past life killing Chin the Conqueror. Well, what did, what did you think of all this, Jake? Yeah, Aang here makes a very impressive move because uh, he's like, oh, I need you to prove my innocence. Sokka's like, I can't do it. And Aang's like, oh, I thought you were an expert detective. My bad. And then immediately Sokka's ready to uh, take on the case. This is classic reverse psychology. Um, I'm very, very <coughs> proud of that. Yeah, and it works to a T with Sokka because uh, Katara brings it up. She's like, oh, man, remember when you found that uh, old man Jarko was uh, stealing some seal jerky? And then Sokka's like, yeah, because you see, everyone thought it was the polar leopard. But it turns out old man Jarko was wearing polar leopard boots. <laughs> and Sokka's very proud of himself for cracking this one case. And just to remind you people, the Southern Water Tribe has like, what, 30 people at most? At most. <laughs> when, when Sokka was there. So this is not that impressive. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to pinpoint one out of 30 people wanting them being a thief. So I don't know. I don't know why Sokka is so proud of uh, solving yeah. this case. Yeah. Old Man Jarko, that's a story that we need to hear more about. You know, we said we were going to read the Kyoshi novels. I want to read the <laughs> Old Man Jarko novels. Uh, maybe get like a Mandalorian-esque spinoff with Old Man Jarko. 
<laughs> I don't know if they have any uh, old man Jarko novels, but his name's Five Letters and starts with a J, just like my boy Jinju. So I kind of wish they had a buddy cop, uh, Jarko and Jinju spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh you know what i'm gonna i'll write that you know i've never written any sort of fan fiction before but here i am i'll take on the jarko jinju it's you know it's the old man grizzled old man jarko uh pairing up with the smelly young boy jinju i feel like if you showed that fan fiction to an like a legit hardcore fan of avatar they would not know who either jinju or jarko <laughs> not either had it not been for this podcast and me actually having to take notes like if you told me prior to this podcast like hey do you remember jarko from avatar or jinju from avatar i'd be like no <laughs> who the heck are these people <laughs> see and this is why the people that listen to this podcast are the true avatar fans you know if you're listening to us every day talk about the jarko and jinju novels i'm writing then uh you're the real ones so. not facts shout out to all the egg in there those are you guys are the real all the egg in there listeners y'all are the real super fans so so then we, we, we cut to Sokka. He's at the murder site and he's scanning it and he doesn't seem to be finding anything relevant until he finds this, uh, the temple that, uh, Chin's statue was made out of. They were made from the same stone. So the temple and the statue were made from the same cut of marble, which doesn't make sense because the leader of the village earlier in the episode was talking about how they erected the statue after Chin died. So there's an inconsistency there. And then when Katara was about to come to the same conclusion, Sokka <laughs> yells at her and is like, I want to solve it. You can't solve it. So Sokka goes from like sleuth to petulant child at the drop of a hat. Yeah, it's pretty impressive to get the logical connection here that uh, Sokka <laughs> and Katara do. And Sokka's totally transformed. So in the last scene, you know, he's just regular Sokka. Now he's got like a weird monocle. He has this weird pipe that he's smoking that blows bubbles. Uh, he's got an, an, a very ugly hat. That hat does not fit his head. It doesn't even look like the stereotypical detective hat. It just looks like gross. I agree with you. Yeah. It's not a flattering hat. And he also has this monocle that he must have poached off the mechanist because yep. it just looks yep. straight out of some, like <laughs> some one of the inventions in his lab. That is a great call out. I agree. Uh, and then what but, did you think of this foot long dragon pipe that, because Sokka, <laughs> after, after making this conclusion, starts to huff on this pipe, but instead of smoking tobacco, he just blows bubbles out of this like foot long intimidating dragon pipe. Uh, the pipe looks cool. Uh, I would say blowing bubbles out of it like severely makes it look less cool. But, uh, yeah, and, and I think this is common in like cartoons. I feel like I've even seen this in Looney Tunes, where they're well, they, where they'll pull out a pipe and then start smoking bubbles in it with it rather than actual smoke because they don't yep. want to like yeah. make smoking seem appealing to kids, which makes sense. But I mean, like you, I'm in the same boat. Kind of doesn't look that cool when you're just blowing bubbles out of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and Katara has no idea where he got these props because she's like, where did you get that? Because he's like, oh, we need to go to Kyoshi Island. And like, instead of, uh, you know, remarking on that, she's just like, what? What are you doing? Like, where did you get that? And I love that. That feels like so, that feels like <laughs> such a is, good sibling relationship. And this is what I mean. It's like, we actually don't, we very rarely get Katara and Sokka alone together. So I did like that about this episode, how you get them just like trying to solve this case together and Sokka being this overbearing detective yeah. with Katara coming to the same conclusion every time. So I did like that running joke there. And then yeah. we cut to Aang in the well, prison. Well, actually, Zach, oh, oh, real oh, quick before first. we move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no worries. So, uh, I think before this scene happens, we see the Earth Kingdom uh, person who's just like fondling all of his money. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that scene comes before uh, the mm-hmm. one that we just talked about. So oh, you're right. You're let's, right. Let's yeah, quickly yeah. just talk about that one. Yeah, yeah. So what my we apologies see is, for moving on too quick. Yeah. We, we see an Earth Kingdom person, uh, a real rich guy, just playing with his gold pieces. I don't really know what he's doing. But then all of a sudden, uh, the chest uh, is closed. The ostrich stops. He's, uh, you know, holding his chest with all dear life. And we see the blades of the blue spirit go into the cart with Zuko standing above and taking the treasure chest. Uh, is this a, is this a crime that you're okay with Zach? Yeah, it, it depends on how the man made his money, which we don't know. So for that reason, I would say no, but just like saying, also, I didn't think what the crime Zuko committed earlier in this episode was also, um, redeemable. Like, I don't know. These are both bad things to do, but this, I don't know. This guy with his chest of gold coins at the same time, kind of what's the king's name in, um, Robin Hood, the Disney film, King, king John. John. Yeah. He kind of looked like running like King John and his little yeah. like cart with his snake. So I don't know if this guy has like made his money stealing off the poor class, the proletariat, if you will, then I say <laughs> take his money. But because the, they don't provide us with that information, then I. I see. All right. I, I'm, I'm glad to know where you stand. Uh, we can we can keep jumping in now, but I'm, I'm glad to get. Oh, yeah, oh, I mean, do you have any thoughts about this? Because it was a cool little thing. Like Kazuko, like with his two swords, cuts open the roof really. And as soon as he's there, he's gone. Like Zuko's in and out. He's a pretty yeah. talented thief for yeah. a guy who was royalty once upon a time. Yeah, definitely wherever Zuko learned to steal uh, is pretty, pretty good. Like his instincts are good. He's able to get in quick and get out. It's pretty impressive. Um, the next thing we see is this ugly looking like aardvark rat, uh, <laughs> going across the screen and like eating some sort of like acorn or seed or nut or something. That was ugly. Uh, has <laughs> I, didn't have that, I didn't even have that in my notes, but yeah, you're right. It was a, cause I, I forgot there are these rat things in the avatar universe, but like every animal, they're like half rat, half like, I guess it is anteater. I don't know, half pangolin, maybe who knows. Yeah, I, I was uh, not a fan, whatever this was. Uh, but then we see some random prisoner emerge from the shadows and talk to Aang. He's remarking on, on his tattoos and he just starts running at him and uh, like screaming. And then he stopped in his tracks as the chain um, like knocks him down and uh, pretty scary. Uh, what this do you is think? scary. It's, it's oh, oh, continue, Jacob. Uh, well, I, I definitely think it's scary. Someone charging at you from the shadows. Yeah, I just thought this was a really weird seat to, and I get why they do it because they lead into it and it's revealed, of course, the prisoner's like a nice man and all the prisoners are given and good advice. So it's a funny little, aha, these tattooed individuals aren't scary and they're actually nice people. So it's cool. Like they uh, subvert your expectations there. But yeah, I just thought this scene was really, just Ang chilling there in this, like he looks quite intimidating initially. He's just like, even if, if he's, if he's a nice guy, why is he, he's like, he's like, Hey, you got tattoos. You're bald. You'll fit in here. But it's like the way he's talking seems like some does not seem like the nicest guy. You know, he seems kind of like scary and intimidating. And it, and because it, just in this scene, it almost does feel like he's trying to intimidate Aang, this yeah. random prison. He definitely doesn't come off well. Uh, he <laughs> he's like he definitely could have had a softer touch here, introducing himself to Aang. I was curious, what do you think he did to get in there? You know, we see Aang getting in trouble for a crime <laughs> that's three hundred. 170 years old what do you think this prisoner did well it's like the issue is the this leader of this village is kind of like the warden we saw and imprisoned where 
he seems to give these people unusual punishments for no reason. So I bet he just offended the leader of this city and the man, the leader was like, oh, you got a tattoo. You're a rabble riser. Just <laughs> threw him in jail on like eh, inconsistent, like iffy charges. I feel like he's like wrongly convicted here. That makes sense. Uh, what do you yeah. think of it? What do you think this guy's in jail for? I think he didn't accept Water Tribe money. You know, that ought to be punishable, right? Uh, I I, I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, no, he didn't accept Earth Kingdom money and only accepts Water Tribe money. That's why he's in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He's the person that thinks Water Tribe money is so valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly why he's in prison. But anyways, we we cut to... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the next thing that we see uh, mm-hmm. is we have uh, Appa flying overhead. Uh, we start to see Kiyoshi Island, and as Appa lands in front of uh, the Kiyoshi statue, we have people gathered around. They are so excited to see them back. We see the foaming mouth guy again. He starts going crazy. He goes down for the count. Uh, everyone's so excited until uh, the little kid says, where's Angie? And uh, Katara has to break the news that he wasn't able to make it this time. Yeah, by far the worst nickname for Aang in the whole series. And we talked about it at the time. <laughs> like, Angie, what a horrible nickname. Yeah. And yeah, the re- we got the return on this, like, rabid foaming at the mouth Avatar fan. Or he, because he starts doing his thing. And then once he realizes Aang isn't there, you see him, like, wipe his mouth. He starts cleaning up. Then he slowly slinks away after he realizes <laughs> Aang isn't there. Yeah, it's almost like he's embarrassed uh, not to, you know, or to be that excited for anyone except the Avatar. Uh, I did not, I did not get this. You know, I feel like Katara and Sokka are pretty cool. Appa is amazing, so I feel like you can celebrate Appa. No, uh, I agree. I don't, I don't know why these villagers are such haters. They only love Aang and not everybody else. Yeah, Team Avatar. Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree with you there. Uh, but they then decide that they're going to walk uh, and they're going to go to Kiyoshi's shrine so that maybe there's something there that can help clear her name. Uh, while they're on their walk, Sokka really casually, you know, totally not able to see what's going on uh, or like show that he's interested in just Suki is like, so, uh, hey, what's Suki up to? Is she here? Uh, and we learned that Suki is fighting in the war and that after the team Avatar went there, that Suki was inspired to go fight and try to change the world. Yeah, and this is cool that Suki was inspired by the team, but I just feel like, man, Saki, you weren't thinking about Suki two months ago at the North Pole. She oh. was the last thing on your mind. I'm just saying. But now that Yue is a moon spirit, all of a sudden he's back at Kyoshi Island and he's like, ah. Got to hit up Suki again. So I don't know. I don't know if this was the most. Um, I don't know if I was too happy with Sokka here. I don't know if I was too impressed with what he's doing. Am I wrong? Am I? Am I? No, you're not wrong. It's just that's yeah. a little harsh. You know, even last week uh, in the swamp, Sokka was still thinking about Yue. So true. Maybe you're right. True. Maybe I, I forgot about that. You're no. You're absolutely. Maybe right. it's inappropriate. That he was uh, mentioning Suki. I had not thought of that. I was giving him well, the well, benefit me, of the doubt. The reason I have this in my notes is because we don't, from the season one finale to now, we don't see Sokka bring up Suki ever, but it just feels like he lands in Kyoshi Island. He's like, oh, wait, Suki's here. Well, maybe I can hit her. I don't know. It was like, I, I felt like not the, not the best Sokka we get here, I feel like. Nah, that that's fair. Uh, that makes sense to me. So they get up there. Uh, and they start looking through all of the different relics that they have. Um, we see her kimono. We see uh, a few swords or fans. We see her shoes, her boots. Shoes, yeah. 
And uh, apparently, Team Avatar just starts touching everything. They've never been to a museum before. Uh, I know they don't have them in the Southern Water Tribe, but they do not understand museum etiquette at all. Yeah, they just start touching anything. And then I think Oyaji is this man's name, the old yeah. man who's the leader of the tribe, which I think actually directly translates to old man, because I know that from all the anime I've watched. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's just a term for old man. So that's a funny name that they gave this dude. It's like but naming yeah. Hey Bye, Hey Bye. Yes, yes, it is exactly like Good that. Good to know. But then, you know what's weird? So... Katara realizes there's no way Kiyoshi's like gargantuan feet could have left this, uh, the footprint at the crime scene. But this old man leads him to her temple and he's like bragging about Kiyoshi having the biggest feet of any avatar. He's like, yeah, fun fact, she has the biggest feet of any avatar, which is like the weirdest flex ever. Like, why is he proud of this on Kiyoshi's behalf? Yeah, there's also like no way to know this either. Like, True. Really, you know, every single avatar is like shoe size. That just makes no sense to me. But yeah, this is like one of those stats like you would see online that's like, oh, it's the first time on a Thursday that two people have done this while it was raining. And it's like, yes, yeah, it like, is I one guess of those like cool. horrible ESPN bleacher report stats. You're yeah, right. Exactly. That's a good analogy. Like, it's not that helpful to know that, but like a uh, cool, I guess. Uh, I, uh, maybe to go back just a second. Do you have a hard time when you go to museums not touching stuff? No, I don't. I mean, I, I, I've, been, I've only been to museums and art galleries a handful of times, but I don't know. I keep to myself. I don't want to. I don't want to get scolded by any museum curator or whatever. So wow. no. I mean, maybe when I was younger, maybe I don't know. But in my like old decrepit age of like twenty four, I don't. Okay. I, I, I don't. That's not an issue for me. What about you? Why do you just? Are you get handsy when you go to museum? I- uh, yeah, it's really hard for me not to touch things. In fact, I worked in a museum uh, when I was in college. And uh, so I was like the museum guard. So I was the person to tell people not to touch stuff, which meant like who watches the watchmen? Uh, like I'm allowed to do whatever I want. No one's going <laughs> to tell me not to touch stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll leave that there. I I may or may not have touched some things in that museum. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, do you touch them and leave them or do you touch them and take them and sell them on the side? No, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look, Zach, that's a big accusation. I touch well, them and leave it's them. Not accusa- it's not an accusation. I'm just saying like you could have been like a modern day museum thief. No, it's just like some of these things were like uh, really old and there was like something from uh, like Babylon or something and it was like made like in a thousand BC oh, and I was like, that's, that's I kind of cool, want to touch that. Honestly. See, the, the thing with me and why I never touch stuff about museums, uh, never touch things at museums, because I'm very clumsy in general, mm-hmm. and I have a tendency to break things and mess stuff up. So I just feel like I'll, like, put my index finger on it, and it'll crack into a million pieces, <laughs> just like a cartoon. And then people will, like, be asking me to reimburse the museum a million dollars for some rare yeah. artifacts. So well, I, to I avoid did, uh, that, I just don't touch anything. I, I did lick one of the artifacts, and I was scared. Lick? Yes. L-I-C-K? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna pause here. <laughs> um, why did you lick one of the museum artifacts? Because I, uh, it was like it was three thousand years old, and I thought that I would be the person to lick the oldest thing in the world. Uh, yeah, how, and how old were you when you did this? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm serious. I'm just asking you a question. Twenty. <laughs> What? You were 20 and you licked this 3,000-year-old artifact? That's disgusting. <laughs> I don't know what to say. That's nasty. It's like when I was listening to F and Tyson Apostle, a Survivor 27 winner, talked about how once in a while he'll just lick his phone screen. But your phone, and while your phones have a lot of bacteria, your phone's not 3,000 years old. 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm just glad you were, you're okay. Did it get some like 3000 year old disease from like, see, that's what my mom told me when I told yeah. her, she was like, yeah. are you sure you're not going to get like an old disease that you don't have an immune, t- uh, like immunity to? And I was like, I'm pretty sure, but now I'm worried. Um, I mean, well, you're older now. You survived. Nothing too crazy happened. So I guess all is well that ends well. <laughs> I can yeah. I can tell you. I'm a, even as a kid. I don't know why we lick at any museum artifacts. I'm just. Too <laughs> I mean, I'm not probably. the biggest germaphobe, but I'm too germaphobic to do something like that. But we we've gone pretty far off the deep end here, so we can uh, cut back to Avatar. So yes. uh, yeah, so Katara, so Katara realizes Kiyoshi's. There's no way Kiyoshi's like huge ass feet could have left the footprint in the crime scene. Much to shot Sokka's chagrin because Sokka, in his whole detective garb, wanted to be the one to come to this conclusion. Because he asked, he's like, does my special outfit, my hat, my pipe mean nothing to you, Katara? And what does Katara say here in response? I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, here she says, uh, or, or you're saying like after he says, oh, this, after he says she, I think yeah, she just says like, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. But then after he like says yes, like, the, there's no way she could have made this footprint. Katara's like, brilliant. You're right. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what I was looking for. And I, I love the delivery by Mae Whitman here. Cause she's just like brilliant, like so dry, and, like unimpressed with Sokka's sleuthing abilities. I just, I, I love this dynamic between Katara and Sokka. Yeah. It, and then we one. Yeah, and then we cut back to the prison, and the, we see the intimidating tattooed prisoners and Aang. They're all sitting in a circle, and they're all gassing up Aang. They're t- and they're, <laughs> they actually tell him to Aang in there in his pursuit <laughs> of uh, Katara's love. See, I'm telling you, they know uh, they know our podcast. They knew it was going to be True. called Aang in there. They uh, The writers put this joke in there for us. But honestly, uh, Aang is a little bit stunting on Katara. You know, it took Katara... Over a day, it took her many speeches to win over the prisoners. But here, Aang's won over the prisoners with his personality alone. Yeah, that's true. They, the, these prisoners seem to be very fond of Aang after only one day of hanging out with him. He even yeah. brings one prisoner to tears. I know. <laughs> and Aang is not like... The the thing with Aang is like, yes, he's the Avatar and he's very like charismatic in some ways, but he's not the most charismatic individual ever. It's like, it's kind of shocking how he easily he was able to turn these prisoners, whereas he couldn't even turn the head of this village until the rough rhinos invade. So it's it's interesting how, how these guys were such fans of Aang. Yeah, for some reason, Aang really had their number and was able to convince them how, uh, I guess, how great of a person Aang is, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. And, the, and and these prisoners, I kind of wish they were my friends, too, because they're such good homies. They're like, oh, you, you, you know, she, she'll come around. Don't worry about it, bro. You, you, you're such a you're handsome. You're smart. You're yeah. funny. Like, I wish my friends never gassed me up. Like, If I had friends gas me up like this, I'd be the happiest man ever. All right, Zach. Uh, okay, so next week, uh, listeners, instead of writing in feedback about the episode, write in compliments for Zach. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give Jacob. Jacob, you're complimentary of me enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not shading you here, but okay, I'm shading some that's of my, good. So my homies in real life. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm saying like, yeah, I don't. I don't really have friends like this who will really build you up the way these prisoners do. So yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a great circle of friends. Like maybe Aang should have just stayed here. You know, you don't need to learn all four elements if you have this much confidence. No, facts. Facts. In fact, could just stayed here, cultivated his, um, all these compliments and yeah, gotten way more powerful. Yeah. Before tests in college, what, uh, me and my friend Joey would do is instead mm-hmm. of studying, uh, like if I had a big test, we would play each other in FIFA 
and he would let me just get a ton of goals on him. So I would go out having so much confidence being like, yeah, I'm the best. I just won at FIFA. And you know, no one needs to study when you have that much confidence. Which, which friend of yours was this? Uh, his name's Joey. He was, uh, oh, yeah. What a good friend Joey is, man. Honestly. I agree. <laughs> no, cause that's so nice. Cause every time I'm like, man. I'm the type of person, I never get mad. This is funny you bring up FIFA. I never get mad when I lose in any video game myself because I'm naturally horrible at video games, but all my friends are kind of a sore loser <laughs> between you and <laughs> So it's kind, of, it's kind of funny that your friend just lets you win at FIFA, lets you run up the score just so you get that little boost of confidence. Like, I've never thought of doing something like that, but that's smart. Honestly, yeah, what, a, what a great friend Joey is. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I would return the favor. And, you know, Joey most of the time is a good friend. But when it came to 2K basketball, he would not, like, he would not let me win. Uh, we were very competitive there. Yeah, my, my friends don't even play me in 2K, sadly. It's You're not. too good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to flex at all. But it's just, like, it, it was kind of, it actually became disappointing after a couple of years. Because it's like, damn, like, no, I want to play with my friends, right? I basically had only one friend who would consistently play with me. And he was pretty good, like. He'd win 40% of the time, but basically none of our other friends would like play with us at all. So it kind of got disappointed. It's like once you get too good at a video game, it's like, ah, I, I almost wanted to be worse so I could play with all my friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's a rough, rough uh, time to be in when you're too no. good at 2K. <laughs> I mean, it's the only thing I'm good at pretty much. So no. I'm not, not too what proud. About, what about the podcast? Oh, no, true. See, you're going to get so I good guess, at I guess I'm a good podcaster. No, facts, facts, facts. I, I, I ain't trying to be too self-deprecating here. Don't no, worry. Uh, Zach, I think you're going to get so good at podcasting. I'm going to have to quit uh, podcasting with you. It's going to be too embarrassing. <laughs> God, I hope, I hope that doesn't become the case. I like what we got going on yeah, here. It's fair. Uh, maybe we can get back to the episode true, here. True, where, true, true. Uh, <laughs> so, so we end up we cut back to Sokka and Katara because they're looking at this painting on Kyoshi Island that was painted 370 years ago on the day of the crime. And Sokka actually has a Sokka and Katara both have a very astute observation here that I would not have come to myself. So I give Sokka a lot of grief for being an idiot, but this is very impressive because he states that because of the shadows, he can determine that Kyoshi is at a celebration that is that took place at sunset. And then, so because of that, the crime that they were, she's being accused of, she killed, um, Chin in the morning, but she couldn't have done that because she was at this Kiyoshi Island festival at sunset. And I was very impressed that he was able to just see the shadows in the painting and come to this conclusion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would not have gotten this. I would totally no, have missed it. But also, uh, like, are we really going to trust this painting to be like that reliable? Like maybe the artist messed up and then we're going to like, have someone's life uh, in the balance of whether the artist was accurate like 400 years ago, that seems that seems a little sus. True. I just assumed it was painted by like the Avatar's world, the, the Avatar's version of like Rembrandt or one of these like amazing OG painters that's like super, pays, like pays such a close attention to detail. So that was, the, that was my headcanon there because you're yeah. all right. Like how can you trust the OG painter here? Yeah. Well, the Saka and Katara decided to take this information back to the Chin village uh, they go ahead and they get there. They start telling uh, the mayor about how they have a defense for the Avatar. They have an investigation. They have evidence. They think they're going to win the case. And the mayor's like, huh? What are you talking about? That's not how this court system works. Uh, which, to be fair, they should have asked how the court system works before they agreed to the trial. Because what they find out is that justice is for just us and that the only person that has any say is the mayor. 
Yeah, and you're absolutely right that they should have asked, but this is the worst legal system ever. I'm surprised <laughs> some criminal hasn't just like shot this mayor in the head after because because uh, the reason I <laughs> and the reason I say this is because imagine let's say you don't commit the crime, but this mayor is like ah you don't know you you committed it. I think you did it, and then you just get sent to prison for no reason just because of his word. So I'm genuinely yeah. surprised that this legal system has been in place for however long it has been. Yeah, you think that uh, some Yuyan archers should show up and just dome the mayor? Well, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they should dome him, but I'm just saying if he's wrongfully convicting somebody just because he wants to, then I'm surprised some one of these said wrongfully convicted people hasn't just domed him in the head. That's fair. Yeah, it looks like the people who are in the prison are pretty kind. So uh, my guess True. is lots of wrongful convictions here. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's what I felt about the, all the serpentine tattooed man. Yeah. Tattooed so, man. so then we go back. Uh, now we're back at the like I guess the theater. Uh, in front of the temple, and we have the mayor presenting his case. His case is not very weak, uh, or sorry, not very strong. It is very weak, uh, where he's just saying, like, everyone loved Chin the Great because he was great. Then the Avatar showed up and killed him, and that's how it happened. Uh, that was word for word, by the way, in case uh, anyone thought that my uh, interpretation was weak. No, that was word for word. That was a terrible case. Yeah, this guy's case sucks, and he's about to convict Aang on this. Like, how does that make any sense? Like, I, I don't know. I, I see. I'm not. A, I hate this mayor. Like, if I was in the Avatar universe, I'm just. If I'm Aang here, I'm just burning this town to the ground. I'm burning. <laughs> a, and I, I'm not. I'm not killing anybody, but I'm burning all the houses and like making them build it from the ground up for wrongfully convicting me. But see, then they would have an Avatar day. Where every day they or every year they like have a huge statue of you and then they burn you because you burnt the village. You're you're right, but it's like they're already they're putting so much. They already hate the Avatar regardless, so I might as well give them a reason to hate him. I feel yeah. like yeah, and then we get a guard that I think could be played by you, uh, Zach. The deep like monotone voice. <laughs> uh, I feel like you could pull this one off. Yeah, what what does he say exactly? I'll try to imitate it, but just give uh, me the quote. I, I don't remember the exact words. It's like um it's like this it's something will present their argument i think it's like the avatar will present his argument yeah so this guy comes in he's like the avatar will present to their argument he's like that, so yeah. dry and deep with <laughs> the way he talks i don't know i don't have the best the only one i can do still is a uh, pipsqueak just kind of <laughs> has that voice still he's like the light tree nuts but <laughs> i can't do any other um avatar impression sadly but you're right because because i i saw that guy and i saw him speak and i was like ah, i should i should practice practice my impression of impressionist yep. abilities here but yeah you're right this bailiff has a very deep monotonous voice yes uh and then we get a case that's even worse than the mayor's here uh this is ang essentially just trying to say everything that Sokka told him and uh i do not think that memorization is ang's strong suit you know we've seen him do lots of creative attacks uh we've seen him come up with some clever plans we've seen him have a lot of fun but i do not think that he could act in a school play yeah, Aang is not great here. He completely bumbles his case and messes up completely because Katara and Sokka have built him a pretty strong case, honestly. But then what does Aang say? He's like, yeah, my feet are too big to have done it, even though he himself has little feet. And then he says he was in a painting, even though that makes no sense. So he's like regurgitating what he heard Sokka say, but like incorrectly. So he's not doing a great job here. Aang is yeah. kind of floundering. 
This is like uh, whenever you go on like someone's test and like you're just c- trying to copy their answers. So you just like write down what you think you're seeing, but then like you don't like get all the steps. You just get like the answers. And so you're just like having to like kind of piece together the work. And it's like very clear. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, you're right. And yeah, he's not doing a great job here. And then what what happens? Do they just cut from, do they pronounce him guilty or they, do they, do we cut to Iroh and Zuko? I, I think the last thing we see here is Sokka just smiling and, he, and the, uh, Sokka's like, he's gonna die. Uh, or something <laughs> like, or no, I think he says he's dead. Uh, which I think no, you're, you're right. That's what he says. Yeah, that so you're in, that's then cool. we, then we hop back to Zuko and Iroh. Uh, we have Zuko next to the campfire and, Iroh's like, wow, you really, uh, you really went on a spending spree. Uh, what we see is like just a ton of new tea sets. There's like lots of things behind them. I mean, these people, uh, you know, went from leaving a life of royalty to essentially being treated like royalty living in this cave. Uh, Zuko here is just like saying, Oh, do you like your teapot? And Iroh has a pretty hot take and says that the best tea doesn't matter what cup it comes in. It can be a nice pot or a crappy tin cup. Uh, I can't imagine this is true, right? Like a tin Uh, cup would taste bad. You're you're right, but I agree with uh, Iroh's overall sentiment here. It's basically like the best tea can taste good, whether you're living a life, a, a lavish life or a life of like, Poverty, I guess. So I, I agreed with his overall point. And I actually, I did, I clipped, um, everything Iroh says here because I kind of just love motivational Iroh. I don't necessarily have a, cause it's, I feel like you can't really paraphrase a lot of the stuff Iroh says. So it's, uh, better to just listen to it. So if, if you don't mind, Jacob, I'll, uh, try to play it right here. Yeah, let's go for it. Looks like you did some serious shopping. But where did you get the money? Do you like your new teapot? To be honest with you, the best tea tastes delicious whether it comes in a porcelain pot or a tin cup. I know we've had some difficult times lately. We've had to struggle just to get by. But it's nothing to be ashamed of. There is a simple honor in poverty. There's no honor for me without the Avatar. Zuko, even if you did capture the Avatar... I'm not so sure it would solve our problems. Not now. And there is no hope at all. No, Zuko. You must never give in to despair. Allow yourself to slip down that road and you surrender to your lowest instincts. In the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. That is the meaning of inner strength. Yeah, I feel like this is very deep stuff from Iroh because I feel like in the past couple of episodes, what we've gotten from Iroh is pretty like bumbling fool-esque. I mean, literally <laughs> two episodes ago, he's like drank some poisonous tea and like almost killed himself by taking that risk. But here he's given this deep speech talking about how um, life and poverty, there's simple honor in a life of poverty. He's telling Zuko that even if he captures the Avatar, he's not so sure it would restore his honor and make him feel whole again. So overall, just some very powerful stuff from Iroh that we have not gotten in a while. So I just want to clip that for that reason. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think that, you know, uh, Avatar has a lot of jokes, especially this episode. Just a yeah, ton this of is a, jokes. This is, a, this is just an episode that's really rooted in the comedy <laughs> side of Avatar, not the serious side. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but here I do think that the 
uh, the stuff that Ira says here is like on level with any of the great stuff that we've had from like season one, uh, whether it's like the mechanist conversation, the conversation with John John. Yes. I think his line where he says like in the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. That's the meaning of inner strength. Like that, that's a great line. Uh, and I feel like if Zuko was in the right headspace, this is really good advice for him to have. Yeah, that's a very good point you make, because if Zuko was in the right headspace, this is perfect advice. The issue is Zuko is not. He's still, he's just so angry at his situation. He's unwilling to listen to all the, like, just the profound things Iroh is telling him in the moment. And yeah, he's just unwilling to listen. He's just too headstrong here, sadly. And Zuko, basically, even later on in the episode, says it's time for them to separate. He has to find his own way, which sucks for Iroh because he gives such a heartfelt speech and then it, uh, it falls on deaf ears, sadly. Yeah, uh, I agree. This is sad. And uh, it's not too long before we jump right back into the rest of uh, this episode here. And we go to one of the crazier <laughs> plans that they have to you know, try to get Aang free. Katara is trying to call someone as a witness. The mayor says that there are no witnesses, but Katara surprises him by saying that uh, she's going to call Avatar Kyoshi herself to the stand. And what we have is Aang in a full Kyoshi getup, uh, head to toe with the makeup and all, standing there in front of everyone. And uh, at first, like, it just makes no sense. Aang uh, is uh, essentially just trying to pretend to be Kyoshi with a higher voice, uh, yeah, and but nothing is happening. Too, before we move too far ahead here, I just want to ask you, Jacob, didn't Oyaji earlier say, like, nobody can touch the, the Kyoshi's clothing, and now Aang just wearing all of it and the ceremonial makeup? Look, all I'm saying is you thought licking something is bad. This is he's putting it on his entire body. He's putting on the shoes, he's putting on the clothes, like uh, yeah, yeah, but he's not licking them. I don't know. <laughs> I still think what you did was worse to be honest. Uh, I'm not going to front. But uh, fine. <laughs> but what's funny is like yeah, cuz Egg he's hiding his face behind the bed. He's like Hey, Avatar Ki- it's Avatar Kiyoshi here. <laughs> I like Aang attempting to do the Kiyoshi voice. That was pretty funny. Yeah, I'd say uh, it's one of the worst impressions I've seen. Uh, it's nothing mm-hmm. close. But then we see the mayor just be like, this is ridiculous. And right before the verdict is delivered, we see a giant tornado appear. The entire world is darkened as the clouds are, uh, I guess, blocked out by this tornado that goes in the sky. And we see Kyoshi's spirit take over Aang's body. And this must be the most damning piece of evidence in all of Chin Law. Uh, like, it seems like they don't allow evidence, so this might be the only piece of evidence. But Kyoshi here completely admits to what she does and says she killed Chin the Conqueror. Yeah, and we get for so firstly, this is the second past avatar we've seen take over Aang temporarily, with the first being Roku. What were your thoughts on seeing like the real Kyoshi in the flesh? Because prior to this, we've only seen statues of her and stuff. She's quite the imposing, scary figure, to be honest, because even in the lore, she's like super tall and lived to like 200 years old. So what were your thoughts on her here? Yeah, Kyoshi's a really cool avatar. Uh, you know, you don't expect Kyoshi to be like six six. Maybe Kyoshi ought to have a starting spot on our lineup. I mean, yeah, she, no, she she's on. <laughs> her and Aang are like fighting for the MVP in the league. Exactly, <laughs> Kyoshi's up there because she has arguably the most impressive feat of bending we've seen in the show up to this point. Do you want to talk about oh. what she ends up? Oh, could you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say for sure. I think this is the most impressive thing we see. Uh, I'm happy to to say like what happened. So she admits like uh yeah. So Chin was a terrible tyrant. 
He was expanding his army to all over. Uh, and so one day when they got to the place where they're standing now, he demanded that we surrender. And I said that, uh, and she says she's not going to going to. And so she just splits Kyoshi Island from the rest of the mainland. What this does is she takes uh, her earth bending power and she literally splits the earth. She has water engulf it. She has fire come up and start splitting the two, uh, almost like creating a volcano or some sort of lava. To- yeah, she, she, cause yeah, she bends magma, magma out of the fissure she creates. And then she's able to bend away this whole body of land with this, with a lot of momentum too. She's able to bend away this whole island. She's able to separate it from the mass of land that Chin the Conqueror was on. And then Chin stubbornly just stayed on his perch and the ground beneath him eroded and he plummeted to his death. But so even though Kiyoshi didn't technically kill him, she still admits she's like, yeah, he's dead because of me. Like I killed him. Like even, <laughs> yeah. she doesn't even care. She she because technically, did she actually kill him, or was he just a stubborn idiot who fell to his death? Uh, I think that you know you have to be responsible. Most people would not expect for the uh, world to essentially swallow them whole. So I feel like if you're going to swallow them whole, you at least have to like push them back or something. And she could have sent them back. The thing I was going to mention here is that she does all of this, and she's not even in the avatar state. Like this is yes. just her power. Yeah, and I think that's why I just that's a very good point you bring up because this is the most impressive feat of bending we've seen in the show, unless you compare it to like I guess what Ang up to this point, what he did at the end of season one, where he takes out the whole hundred man, hundred fleet ship, hundred ship fleet. He's able to take that whole thing out while in the Avatar state. But you're right, she's not even in the Avatar state. She's able to like basically cause an earthquake and <laughs> bend magma out of the ground like this by like to me is the most like I've, I've repeated myself but it's the most impressive feat of bending by far i was very i was just shocked by the fact that she was able to do this yeah and i and i, and I forgot this was included in the episode i thought they kind of just alluded to it but not they just show her bending a whole island yeah, I mean, they show the whole thing and it's super cool. Then what we see is, uh, Kiyoshi come back. She's telling her story. And then, uh, as this always happens is after the old avatar is done, uh, then like the tornado comes, uh, back and Aang's body's left there and Aang's just like, so what happened? Uh, and this is, this is one of my favorite parts of Avatar. Uh, in fact, this has been used in another podcast called Opening Arguments. It's part of like, uh, their like intro. Um, it, they have like a bunch of clips from different media. And this is where Katara says, uh, you kind of confessed. Sorry. And then the mayor says, and I find you guilty. Bring out the wheel of punishment. Uh, <laughs> and I love the wheel of punishment. Huge fan. Yeah. So we'll get into it right now because he's like, the accused will now spin the wheel of punishment. And these, the, the audience is clamoring for a lot of things. So we got torture machine eaten by bears. Razor pit. <laughs> Those are the things that people in the audience are cheering for to get picked. While Katara and Sokka, especially Katara, Katara's like, please be community service. Please be community <laughs> service. So community service is like the one thing on the wheel of punishment that's not like essentially Aang being sentenced to death. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there ought to be a bigger community service, uh, like section of the wheel because honestly, community service is probably the best punishment, like for everyone involved. Nah, you're, you're right. I think the community service should be other. I bet a lot of the guys in the prison wouldn't have minded doing a community service to get lighter sentences. Yeah, exactly. Like all like, those guys Ang was talking to, they seem like nice guys. I bet they'd love to 
help their communities and spread some joy around. So. Yeah, community service is not that bad. I looked up the other punishments. Uh, so we have bed of nails, whipping post, uh, boiled in oil, eaten by a shark, razor pit, mauled by a platypus bear, burned alive, and community service. Uh, Wouldn't bed of nails be really good because you can lie in a bed of nails and be fine, like, apparently, right? Yeah, I do think that you would be like fine. Magicians also, do. Yeah, I also feel like whipping posts is, like, pretty bad, and but, like, not as bad as, like, eaten by a shark or mauled by a platypus bear. Yeah, you won't die from the whipping post, but it's pretty bad. Like, yeah. that's, like, the Arabian punishment of lashes. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I think we can disavow any whipping post punishments on this podcast. I, I do think that the uh, bed of nails, potentially what happens is, uh, like, after you go in the bed of nails, then they're like, oh, you weren't punished, so you must be, like, a witch or something. So now you have to be burned. Like, I feel like there's no getting out of it. Yeah, no, you're completely right. And then what ends up happening is he gets what? So what does he get sentenced to again? Boiled in oil. That's boiled what it is, in right? Oil. Yeah, well, that's a horrible way to die. Yeah, but, but as right, right as he gets sentenced, he the the rough rhinos come and claim this village for the Fire Lord. Yeah, uh, really quick, just before we get oh, to yeah. that, uh, we have Zuko and Iroh. Just the last scene with them as oh, Zuko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zuko tells Uncle Iroh. Uh, that he thought about what he said, and he realizes that they don't have any need to travel together and that he's going to leave. Uncle Iroh says wait, which I thought was him going to be trying to convince him to come with him. But instead, he just gives him the stolen ostrich horse. Yeah, and this is a very nice gesture by Iroh, something he didn't have to do because Zuko's the younger man, regardless of who's more powerful. Like, Zuko's probably got a little more stamina, and, and yet Iroh gives him the horse and decides to travel on foot. He kind of, I think Iroh is a very intelligent individual and can see that Zuko's not going to listen to his reason and that Zuko kind of needs to find his own path in life. So he let Zuko go on his own way. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's definitely like uh, a sad thing for Uncle Iroh. Like, I don't think he would have wanted this, but he does realize that this is uh, this is the best path forward for Zuko. And I think he gives him the ostrich horse just because he doesn't want to have that terrible uh, like knowledge on his hands that he's benefiting from the ostrich horse. Yo, that's a good point. He's like, okay, Zuko can just take the stolen ostrich horse because yeah. that was something that Iroh didn't want to do at all. Like, unlike the jelly rolls where I or <laughs> Iroh might not have minded those being stolen. I remember when Zuko took the ostrich horse, Iroh was quite unhappy. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, but now we go back to the town of Chin where the Rough Riders have decided they're going to take over the village for the Fire Lord. Uh, the, the like mayor is like, Avatar, you should do something. And Aang's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I have to be boiled in oil. Like, uh, <laughs> this was dope from Aang. I was glad he like just straight up clowns the mayor here. Yep. And, uh, the mayor decides to switch his punishment to community service by tipping the wheel one more slot. And now, uh, they have to get rid of those rhinos. Uh, well, yeah, then, cause that's what he says. He's like, now serve our community and get rid of those rough rhino riders. Yep. Uh, then we get a, a fun fight between Team Avatar and the Rough Rhinos. This is a much better fight than the first one, where it's mostly just trying to escape. This one, there's some some like actual back and forth here. Yeah, no, I like this fight. We don't when we do our battle rankings, we don't necessarily have to rank the first battle because what's the point? It's just yeah. them escaping. But we will rank this because this is interesting. So first, we see Katara. She takes out one Rough Rider with relative ease. She takes him out with just a little blast of water but then we see 
Saki get the biggest stroke of luck we've seen in one of these <laughs> fights so far. Because an arrow, so the Yuyan Archer that we talked about earlier, shoots an arrow which hits Saka in the hat and then hits this masked Rhino Rider's bag of explosives. So the flaming arrow that was supposed to dome Saka instead sets off another rider's explosives, which... uh Make causes that rider to fall off his uh, ride, ride, and right and it gets rid of that ugly hat. So, like, not only does it help, uh, <laughs> like, them get rid of the fight, but we don't have to see that hat again. And yeah, this is the Yu Yan Archer that, like, he's going to get fired. Like, uh, you can't you can't claim to be that good if you're missing that shot and instead, like, causing this terrible, terrible yeah. thing to happen. You're right, because it was an easy shot, too. Sokka wasn't even moving. Like, he had Sokka within his sights, and Sokka was barely moving, and he just misses. Yep. Uh, then we see uh, Sokka is – he's going down some stairs, if I think correctly. Uh, he's, like, yes. going uh, near some rough riders – or, sorry, rough rhinos. Uh, and then um, I believe he sees the, uh, like, the bag fall down, and he sees his boomerang. And he says, boomerang, you do always come back. Yes, he sees, because the man who had the bag of explosives also had his boomerang, but since that man's out of the picture, Sokka's able to snag his bag with his boomerang. And then Sokka actually does, I'll give him credit here, even though he got very lucky, he uses his uh, dragon pipe that he was blowing bubbles with earlier as <laughs> yeah. a weapon, and then he makes a very accurate throw to snuff out the Yuyan archer's arrow, which then gives Katara enough time to take out this man. So I'll give, so- I'll give Sokka a little bit of credit here, <laughs> even though he got very lucky that he didn't get just blasted in the head. This was a very accurate shot where he just like, it was almost like a bullseye on a dartboard is what he gets here. Yeah, I feel like this only works like one out of a hundred times in Sokka's high rolls. Like most of the <laughs> other times, the Yuyan Archer doesn't miss twice. Uh, but yeah, um, they're able to get taken out. It is pretty cool here. We also get to see Aang using the fans of Kiyoshi as a weapon. Um, this is like obviously not his preferred weapon. He uses the staff, but it is cool to see the fans because they really do lend themselves well to airbending and he's yeah, able I to agree use with them. Yeah. He's able to use them to like, uh, increase the power of his airbending. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they almost lend themselves better to airbending than they do even to earthbending. Yeah. So that's def- that's a great observation. And then, yeah, Aang and this rough rhino leader basically play a deadly game of chicken here, I feel like, <laughs> where initially they'll be running. They, they, they do this twice, and then the, they run at each other, shoot some blast of their respective bending types. And then on the third go-round, Aang is able to dissipate this man's fire blast with, like, an airbending drop kick is how I would describe it. That's essentially, he jumps with two, plant, two feet planted and just planted and just hips, hits this man in the chest with the drop kick. Yeah, and he kicks him so far off of the rhino that he, like, flies through a fence. Uh, so, like, this man not only got kicked off his rhino, he got flown across the street. Uh, and pretty, and, pretty and this makes – this you're right, and this makes sense, though, because – Aang, while he's not the biggest individual himself, because he's so fast with his and his airbending, basically with his airbending, he can create so much momentum behind him. He can hit people with a lot more force than you would expect a boy his size to be able to generate. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Uh, I did not mm-hmm. expect him to send him flying, but no, then, same. Yeah. then we see some celebration. We see some fireworks probably planned already for Avatar Day, but why let the celebration go to waste? They were actually saved today. Uh, and then we see the mayor say, we're now going to celebrate a new Avatar Day in uh, honor of Avatar Aang saving us from the rough rhinos. 
Then we get a nice little bowl handed to the team avatar. And uh, when they look at it, they have unfried dough to remind them that the avatar was not boiled in oil. Yeah, and that is the most disgusting snack I've ever seen. <laughs> I would not be. If on a scale of unfried dough to deep fried Oreos, like unfried dough is so disgusting, it's at the bottom of any like dessert or snack scale for me. Like who would eat unfried? Like I, a cookie dough, I understand. Sure. Like you want cookie, but unfried just dough, period. Ugh, that's gross. Yeah. Oh, and God. it's really gross when Katara picks it up and it just like starts to fall apart. Cause it hasn't been like, you know, brought together by the like baking process. Uh, and yeah, I'm, it's definitely not uh, a good dessert here. I would say, uh, definitely F tier dessert. And Sokka claims that this is the worst town they've ever been to, making this an F tier city. And you disagree with this. So what are the, what, are, what towns that have they been to that are worse than this? What do you think? Yeah. So, so, uh, let's, let's just jump in. Uh, Sarah actually asked this question as well, said, is this the worst town the gang has visited? Uh, I don't think that it is. I think uh, General Fong's Fortress might be worse, like if that's considered a town. I mean, in that one, they try to get Aang to go into the Avatar state uh, and like. But was, it, was that in Omashu or? Oh, no, it wasn't. You're right. That was just another town. Technically. Yeah, You're yeah. Right, that was so. like his own town. And then the mm-hmm. worst town, in my opinion, I would rather have a town that I hate than a town I feel nothing about. And that's going to make the, uh, the town that, uh, I believe it's called, uh, I, I can't remember the name, but it's a one with the, the, NPCs. About the town with the hay bar? Yeah. The town with the hay buys. It's yes. like Sinlin village or something like that. It's a town with nothing going on. I would rather have a town that like actively hates me than a town with nothing. See, I, I had a feeling you would go with that one. And I don't know if I disagree. I don't know if I agree with that because, yeah, I hated that town as a viewer. They were so boring that it not pop on screen compared to these villagers who despise egg. But I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I think the General Fong town, technically, yes, that's a worse town than this. But this town's pretty bad. It's like not even they're not just bad to Team Avatar. They're bad to like any person who the mayor determines, like, committed a crime based on his own arbitrary, like, judicial system. So, I don't know. This town's pretty bad. Like, they're lucky the Avatar saved them. Because <laughs> if I was Avatar, I don't know. Like I said, I wouldn't be too nice to these villagers, especially the mayor. James Hong's character here. I don't know. I I, I don't vibe with him. I wouldn't be as nice as Aang was. Yep. Uh, I, I agree with you there. I would not uh, you know, show the maturity that Aang has and save him, I'd be like, nope, you guys suck. And then I'd say, Appa, yep, yep, we're out. Uh, <laughs> facts, facts. Yeah. And that that's pretty much all for this episode. Am I correct? Yeah, that's that's it for the uh, the episode here. So, uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on the episode as a whole, Zach, now that we've gone through Yeah, it? I enjoyed it. I was telling you in the pre-show that some of the jokes didn't necessarily land for me, like Justice and Just Us. I don't know if I love that joke. But overall, most of the comedy landed. I like the Sokka and Katara dynamic, which we, again, we don't get too often, even though they are brother and sister. And uh, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. I like seeing Kiyoshi come in. That feat of um, bending was amazing to watch. It's been a while since we've seen something like that almost cataclysmic, like a bending ability, like that cataclysmic. So I was very impressed with that. And uh, yeah, overall, I enjoyed this episode. I like when the villagers that they visit, even these one episode characters have some personality. I'm always a fan of that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, we have a town that, you know, albeit terrible system, not great, 
It has a lot of personality. It's it's a yes. funny episode. Uh, the stuff with Iro, I think, redeems it a lot. Like having some serious stuff to like, you know, mm-hmm. really hold on to there. But I think this is ultimately just a fun episode, and that's exactly uh, the type of thing that I'm looking for right before we get introduced to Toph. So I'm I'm a fan of this one. No, this was this was a good episode. I, I was able to enjoy it more on this rewatch now that I'm like not because every time I'm watching it normally, like I always say, I'm always clamoring for Toph by this point when I'm an episode just away from yeah. it. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode on this rewatch. Yeah. Uh, so Zach, uh, let's jump into our episode rankings then. Uh, every week we give our rankings between zero and four cabbages. We take our rankings. And the listeners' rankings average them out to get the overall ang in their rankings, which we use to rank our episodes. Zach, where between zero and four cabbages are you this week? I will give this a 3.4 out of four cabbages. So it was a good episode for me, and I did like it. But there were some things I didn't necessarily love, like, for example, the Rough Riders. No, I, I like the, the rhino, half rhino, half lizard things they ride on, but they themselves are kind of boring, cookie cutter, one episode antagonist. Not necessarily the biggest fan. I, I much prefer Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man <laughs> over, over these guys in terms of like the scary looking firebender one at one or two episode antagonist. So yeah, I wasn't a big fan of those guys. So they kind of bumped down the score for me, but I really, I like the, for the final fight in this episode. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. But overall, yeah, 3.4 out of 4. What about yourself? You know what? I'm ap- unapologetically giving this an A. Uh, this is an A- minus episode, in my opinion. This is an episode that makes me laugh a few times. Like, I know that mm-hmm. you're not a huge fan of the, like, Justice, Just Us episode. Yeah, but that's, that's a minor thing. It is a minor thing. I'll, I'll take that joke. The fart joke, uh, I'm sure I'm going to laugh at that <laughs> every single time I watch this. I think you have some funny moments here. Uh, I like the Detective Sokka. I think that works for me. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Daniel Roden, he said that uh, he found found Sherlock Sokka to be meh, but I thought it was funny. Uh, you know, I like Detective, I like Detective Sokka as well. Sometimes Sokka's humor in other episodes doesn't land for me, but I enjoyed all the Detective Sokka stuff here, really, especially like the bickering between him and Katara, I thought, was what made those scenes great. So Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I'm right here at a 3.6 on the episode. The listeners are far closer to you, Zach. They're actually a little under you at a 3.34. That will mm-hmm. leave this week's episode at a 3. 0.45. Uh, so yeah, like, uh, you know, this is good, not great. Um, I feel like that's about where the episode is. I mean, I mean, it's close. It's pretty, you know, so you could argue it's great. It's, it's pretty good, we'll say. Yeah, that's In true. between good and great. Now let's do our Battle of the Battle rankings. We'll rank the Rough Rhinos versus Team Avatar, uh, at least the one in Chin Village. Where do you have this battle, Zach? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll be higher on this battle than the actual episode. I'll give this battle a 3.6 out of 4. I was waffling to 3.5, 3.6. I'll I'll go 3.6 out of 4. I enjoy, I enjoy it. I like the stuff with Katara and so I like Sokka's like stroke of luck. I liked Aang and this man staring each other down in like that narrow alley and them having the little battle. Like, like, I liked all the bending and this stuff. Yeah, enjoyable battle, honestly. What about yourself? Well, I think we're swip, uh, swapping positions here because I'm actually mm-hmm. lower on the battle than the mm-hmm. episode. I'm at a 3.2 on the battle, thinking it's like a B minus uh, in my eyes. I feel like this battle, uh, while it has some cool stuff, I really like seeing Avatar Aang with the Avatar Kyoshi stuff. Um, I feel like it kind of just like ends in gimmicky ways, like Atari takes out one of the people uh, like quite easily. 
you know, the Yuyan archer like misses and blows someone up. And I feel like the fight just ends like really abruptly and it's just like a real quick one. And I feel like there's not enough to like sink my teeth into. And so that's going to no, put no, me and, and that's, that's a valid criticism, honestly, because the fight does end up abruptly, but in the short period that we got the fight, I enjoyed it in that time. Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it a lot more than like the Azula Ang drawn out chase that we had a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that those, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, those, those make sense to me. Thank you uh, for those who wrote in with their rankings. Uh, as always, you can write in to avatar at postshowrecaps.com, where you can also leave us our listener rankings. So you want to jump into that now, Zach? Yeah, let's jump straight into our uh, list. Uh, what, wait, what, what are we jumping into? Oh, here sorry, again? sorry. Wow. The listener feedback, my bad. Listener, <laughs> listener rankings. Feedback. Okay, there we go. You kind of threw me for a loop there. <laughs> I was, like, no I was like, I'll just like, re- I had a stock response ready that wasn't prepared. <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I appreciate that huh. you're just ready to uh, back me up, even though I, I clearly made the mistake. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. But, uh, here, <laughs> sorry, my bad. I don't know. But yeah, let's well, start okay, with so the question. Feedback- Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with the question from Felipe. Felipe asks, why would they name it Avatar Day when it's an anti-Avatar Day? And was it worth it just for the minor plot twist? Uh, so I guess, why why would they name it confusingly Avatar Day when it's anti-Avatar Day? Yeah, see, I'm an idiot and I didn't even notice this until Felipe commented it. And I was like, wow, that makes so much sense. You're right. It should not be called Avatar Day. It should be called like I don't know, death to the Avatar day or something. Yeah. <laughs> it should not. And, and, but I do think he, he kind of answers his own question here because I think they wrote it that way for the reveal. They wrote it so that it's like, oh no, it's actually a day against the Avatar. I kind of think that that's why it's named. That. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that as well. Uh, that's something mm-hmm. where, you know, like it's maybe it's probably worth it for the inconsistency just for the little joke because Aang does yes. kind of gas himself up. He's like, it just feels good to be appreciated before he realizes that they actually don't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rudy wrote in and said, this episode forever changed my meaning of the word justice, just us. And Felipe responded uh, like just like the scales of just us competition in Big Brother. Uh, I think Big Brother might have stolen from Avatar. Yeah, I think so. I think Big Brother saw them talking about justice and just us and uh, Robin, all the people at Big Brother, Alice, Alison Grodner and co. were like, hmm, let's take yeah. that and put it in our crappy show. <laughs> yeah, not not too bad there. Uh, John John wrote in and asked, is the Wheel of Punishment a good element for Renap? Is this something we should pitch for the mailbag? Mm, Robin Akiva wouldn't do it. Even even Ooh. if we pitched that, we'd have to pitch like the best punishments at, or like the most comical punishments ever. But no, nah, they weren't going to do. It. They didn't even do the Supreme Council punishments. Not to get too into the Runap weeds here, but I don't know. I feel like if we pitched it, it would get shot down right away. Uh, but John, yeah. if John John wants, you can you can pitch it. Uh, I, I, just, I I think they'll say no. Quite no, frankly. I would be very down uh, if John John wants to try to get the wheel of punishment on there. I'd love more Avatar content on Renap since uh, you know I uh, it got shot down the first time I tried to get it on there. So uh, if John John can get it on there, more power to him. But I, I agree with you, Zach. Uh, yeah, he got shot down the second time I tried to get Avatar content on there too, sadly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I tried well. to make another attempt afterwards and it did not work. But oh well. Yeah. What can you do? You win some, you lose some. Yeah, I uh you know, I think it this is a net win, you know, we get the the podcast uh No, I agree. Uh, I agree. And I'm glad I'm glad we were able to develop this podcasting friendship and partnership. Yeah. Uh Sarah wrote in and asked, What would Kiyoshi's large shoe line be called? Zach, any ideas? 
See, I went simple. I was just thinking, like, you know how they got the Jordans, the Jordan 1s? Just keep it in the Kiyoshi 1s. I'm, I'm rocking them Kiyoshi 4s. Just like Kiyoshi, there's like Kyrie, the basketball player, has got his signature shoe, the Kyrie. So, yeah, just call them the Kiyoshis. There we go. See, I went for a much uh, more simple or maybe dumb joke, uh, Kiyoshu. I think uh, they'd <laughs> just be called, like, the Kiyoshus. I feel like Kiyoshu would be like the New Balance or like, you know, the Shaq brand shoes that were $15. I feel like that's what the Kiyoshu shoe would be. It'd be just be like in Walmart for like $10. It'd be one of those yeah, like exactly. mass produced crappy shoes. I, I agree with you there. Uh, <laughs> and another question from Sarah. What festivities would you want for a day in your honor? Hmm. Do you have a great answer? I, I can answer, Jacob. But if you if you want, if you've got something that you want to get off your chest here, you can. Uh, yeah. You know, I always find that it's hard to get people to play board games with me. So maybe if like everyone had to play board games on my day of honor, then like more people would be willing to play. The problem is, is that online board games aren't as fun, in my opinion. Like I really like mm-hmm. having the like you know tactile, like touching the pieces. Yeah, and it's tough with COVID and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean like it's it's uh, like impossible there. So I would say. Maybe like a day where people have to come to my house and play board games with me. That sounds like a good festivity. Uh, what would you want, Zach? Well, I was just going to say I don't even care what's in my honor as long as everybody gets a day off because that's what I would want for myself. But you know what? In my a day in my festivities, rather than have it a day for me on the day that everybody celebrated, they can anybody can play me in two K and I will let them win <laughs> by twenty. That'll Whoa. be what I'll do on my day. Just like your friend Joey did to people. I'll just be like a modern day Saint Zach. Spreading All right. the, the wealth like that. So on that day of my celebration, anybody can challenge me in the video game that I'm best at. And uh yeah, I will intentionally lose just to give you that little boost. That's, You're struggling well, as long as you can hang in there after beating me in this game. That is perfect. I'm glad to know that uh, Joey's idea to help my confidence on tests has been uh, so co-opted into uh, this. Yeah, I, I do. I really did appreciate it. So it was Joey, and I just need to give credit to the other friend, Caleb, who also would uh, play me in games to get my confidence up, you know. Oh, shout out Joey, Joey and Caleb. Yeah. They're, they're A1 like since day one. There yeah. we go. Uh, last person to write in is Lydia. Lydia had many questions, uh, wrote in during our recording. So Zach, uh, I've not read these. We're going to have to, uh, tackle these live on air. Does that sound fine with you? Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't read them yet. (laughs) As you were talking, I was quickly reading them. So, but yeah, let's tackle them live on air. All right. First question. What do you think is the exchange rate for all the currencies? Which currency do you think has had the most inflation since the attack of the North? Um, this I I think she has to mean like the siege of the north at the end of episode one. Yeah, in which no, case- no, I I get I get it, I get it. I'm I'm trying to think. What is the exchange rate? I feel like I wonder if Fire Nation currency is even accepted. Would that be the most valuable, or would it not be accepted at all? See, I feel like Fire Nation would do a lot of manipulation with their currency to keep it like the strongest exchange rate. Like they would like intentionally try to like make sure their currency had the like best exchange rates. But then I think yeah. after the siege in the North, they probably have the highest inflation. They have to rebuild an entire fleet 
that's going to take a lot of government spending, you know, crowding out private investment. Daniel right now is going to be super happy. We're talking some <laughs> macroeconomics right here on the podcast. Yeah, but I, ju- I just feel like they have the money to spend, whereas the Earth Kingdom is not able to build the mechs that the Fire Nation is able to build. So I feel like even though you're right, they're going to have to spend a hefty sum to fix that whole fleet of ships. I still feel like I agree with your first point, how they're probably manipulating the their their currency to be the most valuable yeah. i think because and, i just can't see the earth nation the earth kingdom i can't see their currency being too valuable and the water tribe just has too few people for their currency to be have any value. Well, and I think the Water Tribe is set because uh, the Water Tribe, everything there was made out of ice. So there's no like limited supply. It's literally just how much time is in the day. Like uh, there's no like crowding out there. So the Water Tribe is true. Water Tribe economy is pretty set up. Uh, no, especially in the Northern Water Tribe, you're right. Yeah, That's so fact. there you go. That's our economics talk for the week. Well, maybe. Maybe there's more. We haven't read the questions. Uh, also, since – this is a good question from Lydia. Also, since the jail won't accept Water Tribe currency, could they not just go back to the kind vendor to make an exchange, work smarter, not harder? That That's a great point. No, that is – that. you know what? That's, that's a great point. I, I, I have nothing to add on yeah. to that because, Lydia, you are a smarter person than I, and that's just a, like, true statement. Because yeah. you were – if this guy, like, willingly accepted the Water Tribe money earlier and even commented that he doesn't even care because money's money, then, yeah, why not just go back and then he could have posted bill. But then again, like I said earlier, the mayor was an idiot for not just accepting the Water Tribe money in the first place. No, that's fair. But hand up uh, – yeah, that's a great point. No, nothing really to add anything there. Uh, next question from Lydia. Aang is easily able to free his head and hands in the jail, and his jail buddies are quite a bit older than him. This jail clearly isn't for children, which begs the question, do they have a kid's jail somewhere? <laughs> why isn't Aang there? I feel like Aang would be a big hit in the kid's jail. I think the reason why Aang isn't there is because he's being tried as an adult uh, because, you know, it was Kiyoshi that did it and Kiyoshi was an adult. So I didn't even think of that. That's true. I, mean, I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's a very good point on your part. If this was an actual legitimate legal proceeding, then yeah. Yeah. See, I would hope that the wheel of punishment for the kids would be a bit different, maybe a bit uh, softer. No death, more like uh, chores. No, that's true. But I feel like to answer Lydia's question, I don't think Avatar has – the Avatar universe has any kids' jails because if I'm thinking back to imprisoned, wasn't Haru. He was also imprisoned with his father. That's Haru true. was like technically a kid. He was a teen, but what was he, like 13, 14 when he was in prison? So yeah. I just feel like in these prisons, they just put everybody. They don't care. Yeah. What uh, your age is. You can be a child or you can be like 70 years old. They'll put seniors and infants in these prisons. They don't care. No, that's uh, that's totally fair. Uh, yeah, I think uh, probably they don't separate the kids and the adults, but maybe that's a, a reform that if Lydia wants to run for mayor of the Chin uh, city, she can. Last question from Lydia. Uncooked dough is possibly the worst outcome for a celebratory food. What punishment ha- would have resulted in the best treat? Avoided being burned gets you golden toasted s'mores. Uh, what do you think the best punishment that we could have gotten is? I think the worst one is if uh, he was supposed to be dropped into nails, you have to, like, eat your own nails. That sounds Oh, awful. that reminds me of, like, that episode of Arthur where they just have, like, the depiction of rat burn and rat burn just, like, chewing the nails like cereal. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah, uh, no, that's I, the worst I, one. No, I, I think be, being boiled in oil, I'd want. You know why? Because then they can use that oil to fry the dough with. Yeah. So then at least the dough's not disgusting and, like, doughy. I, I hear you there. Uh, 
they ought to have made like some fried dough. I agree. No excuse. <laughs> no, that's well, just weak. Well, <laughs> true. That is. That's not great. But you know what? That's all for feedback. You can always write in at avatar at postshowrecaps.com. And you can uh, also write into five star reviews. We could we could use a couple more five star reviews at postshowrecaps.com slash ATLA. That's where we got our Apple Music feed or our Apple Podcast feed, which has all our podcasts right there. And uh, yeah, leave slap some five star reviews down for us. Yeah. And then Jacob, last but not least, did you want to get into our T Quartet segment? Yeah, let's do it. We are looking at the Guardians of the Galaxy this week. Uh, as a reminder, that is Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Groot. Yes, there are five, and yes, we may have a plan. May? Maybe? Yeah, well, we'll do, we'll do all five. Okay, Who we'll cares? Five. Like, we don't have to have a... Like, why not? Because you you have a... I'm good. Well, I'll let you handle the Groot segment because that you you got a pretty good thing going all right. there. So, uh, uh, what do you want to start with? You want to start Rocket Raccoon? Where do you want to go? Yeah, let's start Rocket Raccoon. You know, I think it's always mm-hmm. easiest to either pick out the most fire or the most air. And in this case, yes. Rocket Raccoon's the firebender. Zach, w- like, just tell us why. No, you're 100% right. He's the one who's most aggressive. He wants to go into every place, guns blasting. He's by far, he's got all the snarky remarks. He's super just, he wants to fight. Like, the Rocket Raccoon is the most, one of the, by far the most aggro guardian of the galaxy. Yes. So, he definitely is the firebender here. I don't really have much to say. Like, there's no person here who's even close to being a firebender in the way Rocket Raccoon is. So. Yeah. I actually feel pretty similarly with Drax and the Earthbender. Uh, You know, we see him be so, like, determined to take care of his home. He reminds me a lot of the uh, resistance leader in the Return to Omashu episode, who's just like, we have to fight for our home. I think that's what makes Drax a very easy Earthbender for me. He seems very straightforward, very much like taking things literal. I want to, like, protect. I want to defend. I'm going to be resilient. I think that makes him the Earthbender. Zach, do you agree? Yeah, and the thing with Drax, he's very stubborn, very headstrong, which are other earthbendery traits. And yeah, you're right. He he is very reminiscent of the man from Return to Omashu. I guess like you, I had him pegged as the earthbender. Don't really have much to add there. Like I think Drax screams earthbender similarly to how Rocket Raccoon screams firebender. Yeah, that's true. Uh, where do you want to go next, Zach? Two more left. We can. You want to go Star Lord or Gamora? Your call. Let's go. Let's go Gamora. Okay, Why not? Yeah. So yeah, I I have a Gamora as our waterbender here. She's the most. I I don't like just slotting women into the waterbender role because I feel like we could do a little better than that. But Gamora by far, or is the one who exudes the most waterbender traits out of these four. She's the one who's the most level headed. She, while her father is Thanos, she's still able to side with a good guy. She's willing to change. She's just like how water is the element of change. So, yeah, I think by far she's the one who's most in tune with her emotions. And for that reason, I have her as my water bed. Yeah, she also, yourself, she also has diverse fighting styles. You know, like she's like happy to take someone down hand to hand, happy to shoot, happy to like fly. Like she's she really is like going to go out there. I think she also struggles with her emotions, struggling with that mm-hmm. balancing act. Uh, with like, you know, Thanos being her dad and all that. Mm-hmm. Pretty traumatic childhood, I'd say. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'd be traumatized too if Thanos was my dad. Yeah, so I think that's what makes her the waterbender. And I think Peter Quill, Star-Lord, is the airbender. You know, he's the silly one. He's the one who's just like kicking to some tunes. He goes by his own sort of, the beat of his own drum. Yes. Uh, he is the kind of... Uh, inventive, original, uh, like do whatever he wants side sort of guy. The charm, I think, makes him a waterbender. 
I'm sorry, Airbender. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I knew what you meant. But yeah, I, I also have Peter Quill as my Airbender. This is a week where sometimes me and Jacob, we differ on these T quartets, but I'm in lockstep with you. I think he's definitely your Airbender. His love of these old tunes is like a quality that I could definitely see an Airbender having. And yeah, shout out Peter Quill's music taste for making that soundtrack to the movie so dope. Because I remember when I was watching that, I was actually surprised to hear like Marvin Gaye in a Marvel movie and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Shout out Peter Quill and his music. Yeah. And the last member or the last main member of our group is Groot. Uh, I think we might should do something different for Groot. You know, we don't usually do T quartets with five people or then be the T quintet. Uh, and I think Groot himself is his own uh, quartet. So we have the Earthbender Groot. Uh, in the first movie, you know, he's very like big, strong, powerful, protective, all that. Then we get baby Groot afterwards. I think baby Groot's the airbender of the group. Then we get teenage angsty group in the new Avengers movies. I think he is the firebender. And so all we need is for Thor, uh, the new Thor movie or the guardians volume three to introduce us to water Groot. And we'll have the avatar all in one character. Yeah, and you know what? I was th- I was like initially I wanted to push back on this, and I was like, no, wait a sec, you're absolutely right because I I've seen all the movies that incorporate all the Marvel films that incorporate Groot, and yeah, Groot in in Guardians of the Galaxy one is definitely an Earthbender, Baby Groot is definitely an Airbender, and uh, angsty teen Groot is definitely a Firebender. So <laughs> you hit the nail on the head there. I kind of we'll see if they do end up introducing a new form of Groot that we could slot into the water bending slot. That'll be a, a fun one to. Try. Track, uh, through the years as, uh, as if we can see Groot change into the waterbender we know he has to be in order to master and become the avatar uh, yeah but yeah and I guess that uh, that's it from uh, for us to hear wow this was a this was a long episode we went all over the place this <laughs> podcast I think but I had fun I think I think we were able to rein it in and just like uh, the comedic nature of the episode this was a very comedic podcast a lot of laughs to be had on our little journey here yeah uh this was really a fun one and next week another great one you know a great episode with the blind bandit we're having navi fifth wheel navi on the podcast we are so excited to welcome her in uh so that should be a great one and i'm super excited to break down the entrance of toff especially with another great podcaster to join us yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun with Navi talking about Toph. And I just think Toph adds so much to the show when she comes. She's a character that you don't have prior, like, you don't have a character like her prior to her introduction. And once she's there, she makes a world of difference. You're like, man, I, when I first saw Toph, I was like, man, I wish Toph was part of the show from like book one, episode one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it is kind of disappointing that she wasn't a bigger part of the plot earlier on, but I'm glad we we're going to get to her next week. And I'm very excited as a big wrestling fan. I'm excited to get into all the wrestling references there. Yeah, uh, that should be a really fun one. Uh, but that's all we have this week for you. Until next time, see ya. Peace out, everybody. Goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chamba life is for everybody. So go to ChambaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.